0: So our organization, Franklin Covey Education, is a global leadership training and educational consulting organization, helping schools to raise generation of principal-centered leaders. So we have programs for um, various programs that address the needs of children, teens, professionals, and even families. And um, usually, we all know. Uh, get this question uh, about the identity of Franklin Covey. It is related to yeah. Stephen Covey. Well, um, Franklin Covey is not a person but it's a merger of the organization, Franklin Quest and Covey Leadership Center. In uh, 1997, they merged forming Franklin Covey. Here in the Philippines, uh, we are known as the Center for Leadership and Change Incorporated. At this time, I'd like to uh, introduce to you our team, headed by our president, uh, Maria Carmen Alcuas Reyes. She is the former uh, chief of the Central Guidance Bureau of Ateneo de Manila University. Our team is being headed by Ms. Christine S. Javier, uh, assistant professor and uh, facilitator for FrankenCovie in uh, various programs. Um, and, uh, we also have uh, Mr. Terence Casare, um, Earl, Angeles, and So, um, right now, um, we are uh, past one day, uh, past one month already uh, of uh, this um, enhanced community quarantine. So, kamusta po ba tayo? Uh, I do believe that it is important for us to do a um, self-assessment po no, in order for us to really know where we are at right now Uh, because uh, I believe that knowing uh, our current state will really help us to have a better better response towards the challenges that we are encountering right now uh, during this pandemic. So what I would like us to do, uh, we have here a diagram like um, let's try to Make a little uh, self-assessment here. Um, if you are using your um, laptops, I uh, would like to invite you to the top portion of your top portion of your um, um, screen and uh, press on annotate. Now, if you are using Naman uh, Android phones and tablets, uh, you will see when you when you tap the screen of your. Um, your phone there would you will see a an icon of a pen so you can click that and start drawing um right now we have here three zones now fear zones learning zone and growth zone uh, i would like you to um, place a mark there where do you feel that you are at at the moment okay yeah i see somebody um encircled learning zone already. That's uh, that's actually amazing, no? Fear zone. Um, okay. Sige po. How about the others?
1: Josh. for a while. Okay.
0: Yun, show um many of us are actually uh, putting marks on growth zone, no? That's actually amazing. Parang we're not letting this pandemic really get the best out of us, no? Okay. So, meron pa po ba? Ayan. Learning zone. Okay. So, I'll just save this for a while and let's proceed. So, okay. Um, Is this pandemic so much challenges that we are right now encountering? And uh, yes. Actually valid that some of us are still in fear zone because of the uncertainties. In fact, we, parang we feel um concerned about when will these things uh, uh are gonna stop now? And some of us the man were really no around hoping up faster than the others, trying to make the most out of our time. And I believe that uh, uh, uh not only not only that this pandemic brought so many many challenges, I also believe that this this pandemic. Had made um, life skills even more relevant, uh, especially especially, uh, developing resilience. And for today, for today's topic, uh, we um, actually um, gonna discuss about developing
1: resilience amidst crisis.
0: So. Uh, resilience, by definition, is the ability to return to healthy choices and to function better than um, better than expected response to adversity. And um, to best describe a person who is resilient, a person who is resilient is a person who don't, do not let uh, setbacks to hold them down for so long. Now, for this time, kaya, who do you think are uh, who do you think are the best example of a uh, resilient person? Or the best example of people who are uh, manifesting resilience at this time? Any idea from our uh, participants? Uh, yeah, yes. Okay, um, I'll just stop uh, the annotate annotation part 2 no um so so if if you Maybe
2: they can put it on the chat and
0: we Yeah can. okay so if, if you're going to ask me i think the chat room here it's front, front yeah no i i think uh, the best uh, example really of uh, people who are um demonstrating resilience at these times are our frontliners. Despite of um, lack of supplies and tiring uh, um, duty, um, they are still uh, emerging on top of their situation. But uh, we also believe that even as uh, ordinary people, we can uh, display and we can manifest resilience. And uh, to help us uh, understand that more, we uh, please welcome Coach Monet uh, Santos-Feder.
2: Um, Maybe you can uh, remove first
0: the... Uh, erase it. Okay. To help us understand more about resilience, uh, we have a guest right now, and uh, her name is uh, Coach Monette Santos-Feder or Maria Ramona santos Vider. It's a certified Frankenko v Seven Habits facilitator and elite coach. She is also a Gallup certified strengths coach and certified points of practitioner. So, Miss Manette, um, for the benefit of our uh, can you uh, give us more background about your about your uh, uh, profession as an educator and as a coach?
2: Maybe you can remove the slides first. Sure. i welcome uh, Monet. reaction. Ano dyan, oh, you can put a clap there
3: to welcome <laughs> her. Hello. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Yeah. I'm not. 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 I'm today, i am not i am not So yes, um, i am an educator. Um, I've I've worked in international schools, public schools, private Catholic schools. Development work as a teacher, trainer, coach, and consultant. Um, these include uh, working with the International Catholic Migration Commission, uh, refugee camp in Batan, um, Brent International School in Baguio, University of Asia and the Pacific. Um, and USB.
0: Peace
1: am gonna to you. I, know,
0: I, uh, I to mute their mics first so we can hear Coach think it's
3: a little bit difficult. I think it's a I can hear your personal conversations at I <laughs> Okay, and then so, so I have worked in both um, Private and public sector, and um, the best of my job as an educator was building adventure education and life skills programs with social emotional learning in the programs.
0: Um, Coach Manette, out of curiosity, you no, know, I know that you have experience, uh, you no, know, living in a waterfront place and work with organization that helps people to face adversities in various kind. Uh, can you? Um, Let us know, how did Resilience help you manage difficulties in your uh, both personal and professional
3: life. Yeah, I spent my childhood years and basic education mostly in Pakistan and Israel. My parents and siblings and I were in Pakistan during the Pakistan-Indian War in 1971. You can see my age now. And where we were (laughs) evacuated actually to Afghanistan where it was still peaceful at that time. We lived temporarily in a small hotel with other um, people, families from the United Nations. It was only the women and children who were there, and our dads, our fathers, we, they were all they all had to stay behind. Uh, we were also in Israel during the Yom Kippur War or Arab-Israeli War in 1973 where we experienced having bomb shelters at home, in schools, in playgrounds, there were bomb shelters. We had uh, air raids and so on. And in high school, uh, we were back in Pakistan, and in 1979, we experienced our school being raided because they thought it was the Americans who burnt Mecca in Iran. If you're familiar with the movie, Argo, with Ben Affleck? Yes. One of the, yeah? One of the hostages was my former high school principal. So when I watched that movie, I was thinking, oh my gosh, that is the exact story of um, when we were in Pakistan and our principal had gone to um, Tehran for, for a conference. And he was told to stay in the U.S. Embassy for safety, but then ended up being a hostage there. So yes, I think I was exposed to different types of stress. And being resilient definitely, definitely helped me get back on my feet and move forward each time. I know that uh, I probably probably ended up in education and development work with refugees and public schools because of the experience I had growing up and because I wish for all children to be given opportunity to succeed. Uh, I can actually give more examples of adversity and resilience as we go through the session.
0: Oh, okay. yeah. So, um, with, with all the, the, the struggles and the crises that we are in, encountering now, nowadays, no, um, how do you think uh, or how important do you think to develop, uh, to develop resilience as part of a school program?
3: You know, the Philippines is always experiencing natural or even unnatural calamities. And with the situation now, the uncertainty really affects a lot of people. And we need to be aware that children can absorb our emotions. So first and foremost, we need to take care of ourselves um, before we can take care of others. So we really need to take care of ourselves because how can we take care of others if we're not taking care of ourselves? Um, Resilience is part of life, but it's not. A personality you're born with Um, it's something that can be built so that's the positive thing that's a good thing about it that it's something that can be built and what better way than to build this um, in schools to have the program in schools Um, because this pandemic can be something that is quite traumatic for many. I mean, people respond to the, these sort of things in different ways. Everybody has different coping styles.
0: So, um, can, can you tell us uh, like what possible risks are there uh, if, if, if um, kids who have experienced um, tragic uh, or, or experienced crisis Become mm-hmm. um, impacts of uh, of these experiences, or uh, with with respect to uh, their learning, with respect to their like their um, view of life in the future.
3: Yeah, you know, um, things. If 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 a child um, has a trauma, whether it is their response to this sort of situation like the pandemic or whether there's some other sort of trauma that's happening within their surroundings, Um, unaddressed childhood trauma uh, changes how the children, or how we respond to the world. So the way we respond to things around us um, is affected because of unaddressed trauma that has happened. So um, for example, I think people are familiar, since we're all educators, people are familiar with adverse childhood experiences. Um, So these are traumatic childhood events caused by abuse, neglect, other persistent household stressors like witnessing domestic violence, um, separation, parents separating, mental illness, or the effects of alcoholism or other forms of addiction. And these major traumatic events can also include natural disaster, experiencing that sort of environment all around them. Like in my case, maybe uh, experiencing air raids and war happening, or in the case of uh, other people where there have been typhoons and floods, and those are traumatic experiences, especially if they haven't been processed. So something might happen and they get triggered, no? Um, and if they're not addressed, sometimes the cycle continues, and and, and um, the way they respond to things, they end up coping uh, unhealthily. They might end up taking drugs. They might end up, you know, doing things that that might not uh, be healthy for them because they were not processing the situation.
2: But Manette, may I just uh, ask a question that might be very relevant today? No, mm-hmm. uh, would you consider this situation where we're in quarantine, right? It's mm-hmm. not really; it's not a, as traumatic as abuse or violence. But mm-hmm. how is this like still a trauma for kids? I mean, just being quarantined and
3: mm-hmm. you know, the
2: scares out there. How is that yeah.
3: You know, I was thinking also about, you know, um, maybe sometimes uh, we don't consider just being at home uh, very traumatic if we have uh, a family that's supportive and so on. But sometimes we forget that some of the our kids at home, they miss their friends. They suddenly cannot go to their sports practice or suddenly they're supposed to have their batch party or dance or they're supposed to have their graduation or you know there's certain events that they were looking forward to that is no longer happening and you know just not addressing that or not talking about it could be uh, a, a traumatic a quiet I would say a quiet traumatic experience for the child especially if the child is not expressive Their emotions while
2: you were saying that I'm reminded of that movie where they all had to be quiet, right? I mean, it's as traumatic, right?
3: Yes, exactly, exactly. It's traumatic when you're not able to express yourself, yeah. No, Mm
0: -mm. and it's also, no, I I read an article just uh, last night that being disconnected to your usual routine or being disconnected to the, the peer that you are working with in a the daily basis is actually traumatic for some people mm-hmm. and our research tells us that well, in fact three out of uh, two out of three children are actually have experienced um at least one is or at least one adverse childhood experience and then one in five children this is globally uh they experience about three three or more adverse childhood experiences. So mm. like and then a pandemic added to this burden. I'm sure it, it has an impact really in their in their, uh, in, their um, in their lives. So yeah. Ms. Ben, can can you suggest to us some practical um, ways on how we can help our kids, our students or even our kids at home uh, to develop resilience.
3: Sure. Um, before before um, answering that, I'll give you some examples of some um, adverse childhood experiences that can be closer to home, um, and then we can talk about how uh, we how to address it. Um, so, for example. Um, you know, as educators and as parents, we all know that there are building blocks of learning. And when there are stressful situations at home or in the child's environment, sometimes um, they're unable to learn certain building blocks that help them, help them to succeed in life. For example, in my own household, um, I have five children. Uh, They're all adults now, but when they were very young, uh, they grew up witnessing verbal, emotional, and physical abuse that I received from my ex-husband, their father. Eventually, we separated. I became a single mom. Um, Then, I started a relationship with my close friend who relapsed into his drug addiction. So, through all this time, my ch- children were young. They were between the ages of 3 to 12, and then several years on. And then, so, so my partner at that time went into rehab and so on. So, things, things happened. Um, but in the meantime, uh, about seven years after my separation from their father, my youngest, uh, my oldest daughter uh got pregnant so teenage pregnancy she was uh, 19 at that time so i became a single mom of a single mom so can you see that uh dysfunctional home at that time no so in the meantime uh, my youngest daughter needed some attention when she would ask questions you know this is very simple you know she should ask questions such as um sh- should i wear a jacket or not we lived in baguio so should I wear a jacket when we go out or should I not? And instead of asking her to decide for herself, I would just decide for her because it was easier. So therefore, she grew up um, where decision-making became a bit difficult for her because I always gave her the answer. So aside from those things, other possible effects of um, adverse childhood experiences are decreased cognitive ability, depression and suicide, poor academic achievement, poor work performance, illicit drug use or alcoholism, and yes, teenage pregnancy. So these issues do have a dramatic impact on learning, our relationships, our mental and physical health and well-being. And um, this affects children while growing up, as well as into their future and what happens is oftentimes children grow up being reactive rather than responsive to the stimuli or the triggers around them
0: and you are you are saying um, coach Menenda, um empowering our kids yes it's really important in developing resilience
3: right so, being an educator and a psych major, um, and all I ever wanted was to be a mother, really. So I knew I had to teach my children proper life skills and to build their character. There, there were things that they were not getting at home, and uh, at school. Sorry, at school. And so I felt like you know there are certain things I need to teach them that is not part of the curriculum, and. Um, And my favorite is resilience. In fact, my third daughter actually, I don't know if this is too much information, but my third daughter actually has a tattoo on her wrist that says resilience. Because that's just one of our really strong words at home. I'm proud to say that my five children are all professionals now, doing very well in their respective fields. I have two educators also. I have two grandchildren and I did and I did recently marry my recovering addict partner who has been clean and sober for 16 years. So yes, resilience is super super helpful. Yeah. Well,
2: uh, while I'm looking at you, I'm like, "Wow, you don't look like you have five children and you've gone through all of that."
3: I I can't say that I'm an expert in resilience. I can't. I mean, I learn things every day. And there are times I do slip into being reactive rather than responsive. So I have to pause, really, really pause and remember Viktor Frankl's quote. (laughs) Between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space, you have the freedom to choose, right? So uh, I I, I love that quote and I try to, to live that.
2: Well, what I'm hearing from you is, it's not only for our children, but even for us.
3: Yes, yes, definitely also for us. Resilience does not eliminate any risks, because a lot of things are outside our control. Um, It does not eliminate stress, but um, because there are good stress, diba, And there's toxic stress. Um, But But stress allows people, individuals, to deal, you know, resilience. Resilience allows individuals to deal with um, stress effectively. So, for example, when children gain more positive experiences, especially with having human connections, and when they develop coping skills that help them to manage stress, there will be more positive outcomes. So that's what resilience is all about. For, well, I guess an example for me growing up in war-torn countries. Um, there were times that would we would have to have school and classes in makeshift classrooms uh, because we couldn't go back to our schools. So we had to form groups and go to each other's classrooms and things like. Uh, sorry, not classrooms. Each other's homes. Um, in makeshift classrooms, somebody's mic is on. <laughs> I don't know how I would have if I did not have supportive adults around me. I, I really I, believe that um, having a supportive I, adult around was very key to being to helping me become more resilient.
0: Hearing relationships is actually one of those things. Um, like, uh, important or significant things that uh, can can actually develop resilience. You are saying that uh a while ago that supportive adults yeah. are the one uh, can help for you in developing right.
3: resilience.
0: So, so like, and as an educator, Riz Moneta, Coach Moneta, um, what can you suggest practical ways that we can actually do in our classroom as we go back I mean uh, the fact that some of our kids have like experienced traumatic uh, traumatic, um, situations or carrying that traumatic load with them so how can we like make our classrooms more um, like having a caring environment
3: Mm -hmm. yes Um, well I would f- start with the adult,. No? Um, again, self-awareness. Um, research uh, done by Ankor and Jalan. He's, you know, they said that on a day-to-day basis resilience from stress is also all about knowing when to pause and take breaks rather than toughening it out. You know a lot of people think that okay, this happened. Go, go, go. Let's be resilient. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's let's get up on our feet. When actually, part of resilience is knowing when to pause. So that's really crucial for us as adults so that we can give to our children and our students. So start from there. So from yourself, start with caring relationships. So how do you have caring relationships? So, you know, in my previous job, uh, we did. Uh, we worked with public school children, and what we did was we did some research on what would um, raise the trajectory of a child's life path. So, if the child's life life path was, um, you know, slowly only going up, what would help it go higher, faster, and um, You know, people were thinking, you know, it's because of their circumstance, because uh, they don't have money, because it's poverty and so on. There's a a problem and so on. But actually, in our um, research, we found out that it's really about human connection. So if a child, whether they come from poverty, whether they come from an adverse childhood experience, you know, a a family well-off, but they have an adverse childhood experience or something like that. Yes, they do have more opportunities financially, but it is the human connection that really helps them be motivated and and, and do something about their their lives. So it's not about economic status, but really having that human connection. So what does that human connection do? One is we need to practice empathy. Now we've been, I I think there's a lot of talk, you know, Quite recently about compassion and having more empathy and compassion having more empathy you know that's that's really key um, I think we've known this for the longest time but but a lot of people put it aside because people think about targets and numbers and and, and you know things that are not as important as people so students who have experienced um, neglect um, sometimes they provoke adults, the parents or the teachers, because they want to get attention. And then if the parent or adult or or educator is reactive rather than responsive, um, they, they sometimes feel that it's about them. Like they get offended when a lot of times it's not about you. It's about what the child is feeling at that time and so try to empathize think uh, about the children at home right now right um they might be bored or anxious are they expressing it so uh one of the ways to uh to to practice empathy is to acknowledge emotions or to be very aware of emotions one of the things that um funny at home one of the things that that they laugh yeah. about is because my kids have grown up with me uh, asking them um, mad glad sad afraid so, because, because if you can name your emotion you can tame it so if you can name your emotion you can manage it because you're able to identify because you're more self-aware so um, instead of getting upset with them for getting angry or expressing anger try to figure out okay where is this coming from what is it you are actually feeling so well then,
2: do you mind saying yeah. that again is it
3: uh, what's it mad bad, bad. glad sad afraid, afraid. basically i'm I'm, I don't
0: know, I'm i'm guilty of that Or sometimes my daughter when when she cries instead of asking her why are you crying i'll say stop crying mm-hmm. So that's that's another uh, uh, bad daddy here.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how really important how,
0: to acknowledge that emotion?
3: Right. So how would you respond differently if the child, your child, is crying instead of saying "stop crying"? How 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 would you respond differently if you had empathy? If you approach with empathy,
0: you spend time for listening. Right. I'm more listening to understand her, or or see things from from her perspective.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That 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 would be so helpful, no? And I think when the child feels that bond and connection with you as an adult or mm-hmm. with us as an adult, that that helps so much. Um, uh, are you? I think um, I don't know if science teachers, um, you know, <laughs> but uh, there's a uh, oxytocin that is released. When when you have a, a, a happy bonding moment with a child and when oxytocin goes up, diba? then there's feel good, then, then there's and a lot
2: communions and the endorphins. Yes,
3: exactly. Exactly. And so and so, you know, that's neurobiology. So if there's trust, connection, there's the release of that love hormone, which which opposes the stress hormone, cortisol, diba so happy moments help and empathy really, really helps. So acknowledging their emotions rather than getting upset with them for, for uh, being angry or crying or having a tantrum. Perhaps if we pause and ask and be interested and curious about what they're going through, it would help. And of course, the way to practice empathy is to have room for mistakes. So, I mean, everybody makes mistakes. For example, simple, diba? Right? Um, a child, you ask a child to do something and then they accidentally drop the plate. Mm-hmm. Uh, an initial reaction reaction would be, oh my god! Right? Or, ba yaan, ang careless mo.
2: <laughs>
3: something, diba? Right? Um, but if we catch ourselves as adults and just pause and try to empathize, you know, it's an accident. So, let them know that mistakes are okay because we do learn to be better when we make and learn from mistakes so um, start with caring relationships the second one i would say would be to enhance self-efficacy self-efficacy is um, the perception that one can do something successfully so this is so fundamental to child development um, and this includes having positive experiences with how to manage stress, um, self-regulation, um, allowing children to have positive successful experiences. Uh, sometimes, um, a child is stressed but is unable to express it, So, or, or sometimes we think, I don't stress stress, you're just three years old, right? <laughs> so,
0: the reality that a toddler can really
3: experience stress yeah yes 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 yes. and it is important for us to allow opportunities for growth by letting them learn how to be um knowledgeable how 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 to manage it so to self-regulate to to express to self-efficacy to show small successes—that's that's so important. Yeah. So really, I mean, there's so much. There's so much. There's so much we can actually do. But you know, caring relationships and enhancing self-efficacy are just the two. Just two. Well,
2: while you were saying that, I'm reminded of uh, two things that. Um, well, from from what we teach in in the leader in me and and the seven habits. Uh, when you talk about caring relationships, it's really about building your emotional bank account with each other. Mm, and yep. you want to be able to deposit rather than withdraw, right? That's right, and, that's right? And you can find out a lot about um, EBAs or emotional bank accounts, mm. online videos like that. The other one is when you talk about self-efficacy, it's really about the private victory. If you have mm-hmm. small small wins or victories like that, it's really about practicing habits one, two, and three from mm-hmm. Dr. Covey's uh, Seven Habits. So, I mean, it's I, I can see that if you actually promote the Seven Habits and teach that, you would be able to do um, the children good in terms of building their resilience. Uh, right? Would you agree with mm-hmm. that?
3: Yes, if definitely. I, if I may
0: add with, with what Christine said, um, I think uh, more than just teaching them about the seven habits it's also important to, to the, the physical uh, environment, the cultures, uh, the setup of the school, the community is really important also. Because uh, sometimes uh, what what is lacking in our school communities or even at home, we are actually injecting principal uh, virtues or. Uh, ideas to our kids but the setup of our environment is not it's not really aligned with what we are really saying so it's really important also that we also um, um, make or empower our community or, or uh, create a culture that supports um, the, the uh, habits that we are developing our our students so yeah, um, Ms. B- Coach Menet, I'd like to thank you on behalf of uh, the rest for, for really explaining to us or sharing to us your experiences and uh, we are actually uh, um, surprised and uh, at the same time, uh, what, what's the word, um, amazed of your story and how you have surpassed all those difficulties and uh, struggles in life and really those things that you have shared to us in a simple, practical ways like, uh, you know, acknowledging emotion, practicing empathy and uh, having room for, uh, for for mistakes are very, you know, uh, very practical and yet very effective. And so uh, we in, in COVID is actually one wanting to be uh, a school environment or uh, a family environment that really empowers our kids, empowers our not, not only the kids but the entire community uh, with with paradigms and um, skills that will that, that helps people to to really express themselves freely without even without the hesitation that they, they will be they will be judged for having that kind of paradigm yeah. but also encourage collaboration in the community and i think that uh, this pandemic will not be the last crisis that we are gonna have but you know preparing our kids for the future crisis and also addressing their current uh, current uh, struggles can can really help them you know not just you know thrive but actually become more successful and really be on top of their situation yeah and at this at this time so yeah yeah Right at this time, uh, if if you uh, for our participants, if you have some questions for um, for uh, Coach Manan or even for 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 us, we would love to uh, we would love to uh, have those questions.
2: I am gonna read some of the things I'm seeing on the chat. No, sadly sometimes it's the adults who are struggling
0: to be resilient.
3: Yeah. True. <laughs> yes.
0: So actually, that's that's one, one, uh, one goal also of the leader in me. It's not just, you know, uh, empowering the kids because we, we know and we acknowledge the fact that in order for us to empower the kids to be resilient, we have to empower first, first the teachers or the, the adults in the, the community. And even in, even our, in our family, it would be difficult for us to you know expect kids to be resilient while their parents are not. So, what we usually do in the Leader in Me and in the 7th Habits is really, you know, immerse the adults and really uh, coach them how they can address the challenges, the that, um, that resilience, no? So, um, the Leader in Me empowers the adults actually with, with paradigms and with practices that can help them also empower their students.
2: Any other questions for Coach Manette or comments? You can also unmute if you'd like to share something. We have about 53 participants and I think from different schools, again from different regions. We'd love to hear how you are dealing with uh, the situation and trying to be resilient as well.
3: I think there's also a lot of um, work being done right? about social and emotional learning and that's part of building resilience or, or building the character of children. And so, Um, building that in the schools and what's nice about the program of the leader in me is that it's all there it's all there because I remember when I was building that at Brent International School in Baguio I was also building it at the refugee camp I was also building it with Teach for the Philippines and Peace Corps and we were inserting a lot of life skills um, character building and so on it was like a preventive um, counseling program in a way um and so on but it, it was really helpful I mean the, the kids themselves had fun and but at the same time um, learned so much learning without even realizing they're learning so much so yeah having that leader in the program the it's all set up alright.
0: any question from our participants Oh, uh, there's a question here from uh, miss Maricar Dinalay. Uh What concrete steps can we take in helping a child open up his or her feelings?
3: Concrete steps. Okay. So part, part of that is really, I would say, to try to put on your empathy hat. No? So start with that and um, to try to listen really well about what the child is saying. A lot of times, um the child either doesn't know how to, the words, doesn't have the correct words to say, or um, because they don't know exactly what they're feeling, so they ne- need help in identifying what their feelings or emotions are. Um, but at the other times naman, they are maybe hesitant because they're afraid na mapapagalitan sila. Or they are hesitant because they're embarrassed. no? Or they don't have enough self-confidence. So really asking questions that uh, are powerful questions. As a coach, um, I never ask why. Because asking, why are you feeling that way? Or why did you do that? Asking with starting with the word why puts the other person in the defensive.
0: Defensive
2: yeah
3: active yeah so, so also, no, try um, to change try to change the question so that it's not a why even though you're asking a why <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> based
0: on based on my experience or so one thing that I have uh, found out that um teenagers or um, young people they didn't want to be like uh, uh, we, they do not want adults comparing their, their experience from what they are experiencing at the moment. Minsan tayo, we have this habit of telling people, uh, telling young people, you may intindihan mo kami pag nag adult ka na, or may intindihan mo yung ko pag, pag ka na rin, something like
3: that. Yeah.
0: And it's kind of parang um, you're comparing your experience to my experience which are very different in in every way and, and because of that they do not want to open up. In encouraging you're interpreting their story based on your experience. Your own. And which is uh not really good.
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean if you are trying to listen to a child and you genuinely are interested in them, you need to let go of your own self. As in let go of your own biases do not approach it with your own trauma your own background because you might think that's not what a child or any adult wants to hear they want to actually just feel that you care genuinely care about them they just want to feel it even though you're not solving their problem yeah, Feeling sometimes diba, we have the,
0: the, the tendency to compare our experiencing, uh, experiences long ago to what they are experiencing right now. Like for example, with, with baon, it's a lot of money when I was studying, 20 pesos lang yung baon ko. Parang neglecting the, the, the fact that, magkano ba yung that time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So,
3: talagang yeah. sometimes
0: it, it only creates this connection rather than helping them to really, you know, uh, uh, helping them to address their, their concerns and also helping us to understand them.
3: I hope
2: you um, don't we mind. We have a question. Yeah, there's a question here. Well, first of no? all, si Abby, she messaged me privately. I hope you don't mind. I'm gonna uh, read it. I think it's a very salient point that you said here. Today's generation has low stress and to- uh, pain tolerance compared to the other general uh-huh. ones, no. so how do we address it is it also really uh, a matter of connection uh-huh. like what you said Monette
3: yeah I mean for me um, e- even, even the studies that we have had with people in addiction for example um, human connection is still key so having one person at least caring about you is so helpful and um, I mean a, a, a lot of times people say in generation it's this and that they get labeled which they don't like being labeled <laughs> so so every generation has some sort of personality a stereotype no but um, calling that out, is isn't helpful, but having that at the back of your head might be helpful because um, just understanding their surroundings, just understanding where they might be coming from, just understanding their exposure. Um, so, but um, there's also studies that show that every generation actually, so the baby boomers, the Gen X. The millennials, the Z, what's the next one? The one's born now. <laughs> but um, so every generation actually has the same universal needs. Which, what are the universal needs? Every Everyone wants to belong. So having that sense of belonging. Everyone wants to be able to contribute and feel valued. Everyone. Um, so being valued, being able to contribute, being uh, having the sense of belonging, and uh, continuous learning. So those are those are universal values that cross generations. Um, did I answer the question or did I not?
2: Uh, I don't know if Abby is willing to. I
3: Abby, know, yeah, come out know. and. and. <laughs> Yeah, so we can. Yeah, but I
2: think I think um, it's pretty much um, what I see also with just my nieces and nephews, right? Instead of mm-hmm. me, I guess being reactive towards their generation, I'm gonna, mm-hmm. I- I'm kind of uh, pushed also to kind of get them to that level of, you know, uh, adversity quotient. I suppose is what they call it these days, right? To challenge mm-hmm. them a little bit more, uh, but walk with them as well
3: so yeah, yeah. I think I think also um, the like now the youth they, they're they they're more well I don't want to stereotype but many are looking for purpose I know during my generation I know that that during my time I'm like in between and X, right there so I know that I didn't try to pursue a career. I didn't try to, uh, you know, I, I got what I got. And I just did my best with whatever I had. That was just how it was at that time. And now, uh, a lot of uh, younger people, they are looking for purpose. And they are looking for learning. So if they feel they are not that or or they're not making a difference where they are, they'll move if they're not learning or growing, they'll move. Yeah. So those are those are things that um, we need to be aware of.
1: Hey. Hi, good morning!
0: Um, time Hi, time. Okay, go ahead.
1: I, uh, I'm Abby, the one who asked the question. Yes. Hello, Hi, Abby. Because <laughs> uh, um, I have come across with different students uh, I started teaching since 2000, so it's 20 years ago po, po, since I've been teaching. I had this observation comparing my students before and now, po, ano? though generation has different characteristics. And I also have a child na 8 years old and the other one is 20 years old. So, wow. I could see the difference talaga po on... Uh, their tolerances on stress, uh, pain tolerance. Um, I think it's also the technology that we have nowadays that it gives uh, people a thinking that everything is easy, life is so easy, that uh, conditions the mind of the child that life is easy. But uh, in our previous generation po, our times <laughs> we, we need to work so hard to achieve something, maybe that, that one will also explain. And I also heard learn about many cases of suicidal tendencies uh, or suicidal cases among teenagers. And we educators also play an important role po on this. So that's why po, I also asked this question. Baka po, there are other things that uh, we can also uh, learn from this and your answers po a while ago truly are enlightening and very helpful po on us to so understand each generation and the universal need of each other uh, of each generation that they need to be loved and valued. Tama po iyo. So thank you very much for yeah. answering my question. Po, salamat po talaga. Okay,
3: so I answered okay. it. Thank you. Thank you, Abby. Thank you. There's there's um, another
0: question here from Sir Joseph Deliguero. In relation to the previous comment on adults struggling with being resilient, can you give some strategies on how to balance organizational viability and being responsive to people's needs as part of being resilient during times of crisis?
3: Wow. You know, I just had uh, recently a client who who is part of the executive team of their company. And of course the struggle is and at the same time one of my daughters works with HR. So it's very painful if you're a people person to have to let go of some of em- of the employees during a crisis like this, right? Wait, can you imagine? You are a people organization and you want to um, help people and it's a crisis so people are going through things tapos mawawalan pa ng trabaho so it's 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 really hard and the decisions from the top in the organizations we can't always understand it because it might be for the greater good of the whole company because it'll shut down or something um, ang hirap. I do know though that there are some companies who decided na the top management, they all got together. Because they had money, they decided to cut their own salaries lower so that they will not let go of the rank and file. So, they lang nila yung salaries. Nila. It's part of their salary. So But, but it's difficult to balance because we don't know... What the whole organi- the whole picture of the organization so I, I, I wouldn't know um, how one organization could respond and another organization could respond but the how I think is so important the how of how do you communicate what you need to do is so important
2: I think also Manette no, um, This is where the culture of the organization, the culture of the school really shines out. I've heard heard of schools where they know that uh, people have nothing to eat and they don't have money exactly, but they're trying to find a way to provide it. You know, so they're reaching out, they're trying to find ways. So mm-hmm. it really shows the culture of the, the company, the organization of the school, uh, mm-hmm. crisis times, no? Uh, then you can see whether the values are really being lived or not. Right. I think it's very key. So when you try to build a culture, people will start volunteering for the cause.
3: Mm-mm. Yeah. So really, uh, th- this whole thing is teaching us, talaga. That we need to be prepared. We can't be prepared all the time, but there are certain uh, things that we can prepare for in terms of culture. So, yeah. resilience I, I, is part of culture, right?
2: I know Earl has been wanting to say yeah. something. Sure, <laughs> Earl. <laughs> Earl.
0: Yeah. Hi. Uh, since we're live on Facebook, um, there is a question there posted by Mom Cherry Bermundo Olalia. Uh, her question is How can we teach pessimists to be resilient? <laughs>
3: Wow. Okay. If, if, uh, if a pessimist was my coachee, if I put on a coaching hat, I would ask questions about where they're coming from. So I, I can't really tell, but I would ask questions such as, okay, um, what do you believe right now? Uh, One of the questions I would ask that person is, what are you afraid of? Um, Where do you want to be um, tomorrow? Or where do you want to be after this ECQ? How do you want to see yourself? And then help that person get there. So that pessimist, I don't know what background they have but just understanding where maybe they're coming from what they're seeing what they're afraid of might be helpful.
2: How about um Manette, what about asking them how would a you know a positive <laughs> outcome look like you know? <laughs> yeah. Just get them to think uh, outside their own little paradigms.
3: Yeah, exactly, <laughs> to change to have that change of mindset. Yeah. It's hard though for um to talk to a pessimist and give them look at the positive things be grateful blah 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 oh my gosh they hate that they really hate that (laughs) so so you need to be able to we need to be able to try to understand where they're coming from and ask uh, the questions rather than prescribing okay That's
2: that's a good point yeah Any, more questions?
0: any other question there? Uh, so far, si palang.
2: Okay. So I'm I'm seeing a lot of thank yous and a lot of uh, you know like it's a it's a great help. The discussion is great, substantial. So this is really fantastic, Monette, um, that you're with us. And by the way, Co- uh, Coach Monette is one of our facilitators and our our trainers and coach also for Franklin W Education as well as uh, for the seven habits uh, she's one of our facilitators and she helps schools also coaches schools to go towards that leader in me um, results that we are looking for so um, and and you know this is really something that because we realize that we don't have a lot of programs out there that could really help children with resilience from the adverse childhood experiences and the, the effects that could happen. I mean, what are interventions that we could have? So, you might want to look into how the leader in me could help your school. Um, and, you know, just call us up or get in touch with us. And by the way, uh, Red, you wanted to share about our you know, online
0: uh things that you wanted that we have available for them uh, yeah um uh right now um, if, if your school are uh, planning to uh, proceed with your trainings uh virtually online so we are happy to assist you with with those things we actually can do like online trainings on the seven habits of highly effective educators we also have programs for our uh, teens like for your student government and uh, for for your student leadership we also have for uh, uh, for our principals principals Academy uh, we can you can actually do uh, an online training and uh, on on those, on those programs just just let us know so uh, we can we can discuss uh, the, uh, the details of those uh, So, I, I, I guess um, that's it for uh, this morning. Again, we uh, thank you, uh, Coach Gonnette, for the wonderful share. And thank you also, participants, for joining us again. And um, um, please join us again uh, next week as we have another webinar on uh, another topic. And um, if, if you have more questions and you have um um you, you like to inquire on something about training your teachers at least, you know, that let's use this time of um, quarantine you know let's not allow this um uh, uh, um enhanced community quarantine disconnect us no? from each other and disconnect us from learning so there, there are a lot of things that we can do there are a lot of things that we can uh, we can actually um, learn and so para after this after this um, issue, we can actually you know uh, say that we are uh, well prepared or we are ready to get back. Uh, I, I've heard, I've, I've actually I've actually read from one post of an educator. They said that teachers at this moment may not be the frontliners. So we don't. it it was it was an issue uh, weeks ago that uh, teachers are not being the frontliners and so and so and. Many uh, issues concerning that, but what we believe actually, uh, what my uh, educator friend actually, is that after this quarantine, teachers will need that will be on the front line, educating and training students how to develop resilience and how to respond on crisis like this. So as we wait for that time, let's uh, maximize our time at home, learn learn new things that we can uh, prepare uh, that the that can prepare ourselves to to that uh, next, uh, should I say, next uh, phase of the battle uh, ahead of us. So thank you very much again. I hope you join us again next week. Uh, Again, this is Rad Garcia. And please, uh, if you have any any questions, you can actually uh, send us a personal message in our Facebook um, page. Or you can also email us at educate at frankingofphilippines.com. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay, thank you. All right, thank you, everyone. Thank you, thank you everyone. Thank
0: you, everyone, God bless.
3: See you again. Bye bye.